Good morning once again. We continue our series this week in 1 John. Uh, This is part two of Certainty of Faith. We're looking at the confidence that we should have in confession. So we're talking about confession today. Now, just to give you kind of a heads up of what's going to be happening in the couple week in the weeks to come, uh, mainly next week, David Thomas will be preaching. I'm actually going to be with the kids uh, doing an old-fashioned children's church type Sunday. So they'll all be with me and Jerrica. Uh, there will be no felt board, uh, but I'm going to teach them a lesson. It's actually going to be, they're going to take a, a quick break from their regular scheduled curriculum, and they're going to get kind of the same lesson that you are just directed at them. So uh, hopefully um, they'll be excited about that when they see me, and I know that I'm looking forward to it as well. David did an awesome job the last time that he brought the word, and I'm sure that he will do so again. So uh, be excited for that next week. I know that I am to switch things up a little bit, uh, to get a break from your faces, and to get to see their wonderful faces. Whatever, Laura, no one wants a break from me. I'm just kidding. If you are joining, this is getting out of hand, guys. If you're joining us online, we are so glad that you have joined us this morning. We feel honored. I know I tell you that probably every week, but it is no less true. We feel honored every week that you would join us, and we're glad that you have done so. Now, last week we talked about choosing our path, right? We can either choose to walk in the light, or we can choose to walk in darkness. Choosing to walk in the light is an exercise in humility. It's an exercise in humility. It bears witness to the fact that we know that we need the light of the Father and the Son. Now, it takes honesty. It takes trust uh, in God that he is going to do the things that he says that he will do, that he is faithful and that he is true. Choosing to walk in the light says to God that I trust you. I trust you. Receiving the light of God is an act of pure grace. And as we'll see today, in my opinion as well, confession is the switch that turns that light on. So we're going to be in 1 John today. We're going to be in chapter 1, verse 8, and we're going to go all the way to chapter 2, verse 2. And this is what those verses say. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim to have not sinned, sorry, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter two, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. John starts this passage by establishing our need for confession. We are sinful beings and claiming to not be doesn't make it so. Now, I don't know if I gave you background about first John, but what John's audience was dealing with Gnosticism. Gnosticism says basically that you reach enlightenment or you reach heaven You reach God when you build up your knowledge base. So knowledge is power. Knowledge is what saves you, not Christ. Uh, And therefore, your body doesn't really matter, right? It's all about the knowledge that you carry in your brain. And so uh, 
All sorts of sin was on the table that dealt with the body, uh, sexual sins, sins of gluttony, sins of um, just rampant uh, self-indulgence, right? Because Gnosticism said, hey, as long as you were obtaining knowledge and gaining knowledge, then you were A-OK. And so as John's writing to these people, he, he's saying, look, you can sit there and claim that you don't need forgiveness because you're pursuing knowledge and you're chasing knowledge and you feel empowered. But just because you say that doesn't make it so. Romans 3.23, if you've been in church for any point in your life, you've heard this, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have a need for confession and we all have a need for forgiveness. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. Now, I've grown up in church. I've been in church for the majority of my life. It really started pretty heavy once I got about eight years old. So for about 23 years, I have had a history of viewing church, both as a Christian and a non-Christian, uh, both as just a regular lay person in the church, so to speak, and both from the ministry side of things. For 23 years, I have viewed the church. And to me, one of the biggest issues that Christians have today and that the church, Big C Church, has today is seeing the world as us versus them. It's us versus them. Now, I think that this mindset stems from John 17 and 18. And what happens in 17 and 18, Jesus basically explains that he's not of this world, right? I'm not of this world. My disciples, they are also not of this world because they are of me. And if they are of me, then they are not of this world. He goes on to say in those chapters that his kingdom is also not of this world, right? So the kingdom that he was here to establish wasn't an earthly kingdom. It was a heavenly one. And so his kingdom's not of this world. He is not of this world. His followers are not of this world. And so the Christian saying that has formulated has been, we are to live in this world, but not be of this world, right? Or some sort of saying like that. You've heard that said before. We're supposed to live in this world, but we're not supposed to be like the rest of the world. And that is a biblically true teaching. That is accurate. That is godly. But the problem is that out of it has developed this superiority complex, and it's a truly gross misunderstanding of the Bible. And if you're honest with yourself, you might find that at times you have to fight that support superiority complex within you, right? I somehow am enlightened. I have this knowledge of God. I have this knowledge of Christ. I have salvation. I'm living a moral life, or at least I'm attempting to. I give to the needy, and I uh, support all kinds of uh, children in Africa. And I, I, I go on mission trips and I do all these things. And somehow that makes me better than the rest of the world who doesn't know Christ. But we have to fight that inside of ourselves. Why? Here's why. Because if we truly want to lead others to confession and therefore lead them to Christ, Seeing ourselves in their story increases the probability of that becoming important to us. And frankly, it increases the probability of them becoming important to us. When we see ourselves as Christians, as being like everyone else, as being a person, a being riddled with sin, whose only difference between non-Christians is in fact Christ. All that allows us to do is to love better. 
It allows us to see the world with humility. It allows us to look at our neighbor as someone who's just like me, who needs Jesus. As a Christian, you should be able to say that I am where I am and I am who I am because of Christ. And the deficits that are in my character, the areas that I need to improve, the things that I still fail on are because of me, not because of him. And so John making it very clear, two parts to start the passage and in the passage, everybody needs Jesus. Confession is for everyone. Everyone has sinned. Everyone needs that forgiveness. Jesus has come to forgive your sins, but what else does he say? Not just your sins, the sins of the entire world. That's extremely important that we understand that. Because if we want to be certain of our faith, if we want to be certain of our faith, then we also have to be confident in our confession. And we have to be confident in our abilities, our confession's ability to bring about within us forgiveness and righteousness. That only comes through Christ. But we also need to see the world that way too. We need to see the world as, as people who can confess and find forgiveness and find change and, and fix the sin that is within them, so to speak. Right? Verse 9. He made it all clear that we're in the same boat. The way to find freedom from our condition, from our innate sinfulness, is to confess our sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's verse 9. I'll we'll read it one more time. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In last week's terms, if you weren't here last week, if you didn't see last week's sermon, I would challenge you to go back at some point. We have it on Facebook. If you're working out, you're walking on the treadmill, you're driving to work, whatever you're doing, spend some time and just listen to that sermon. Listen to that whole service, okay? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's the greatest thing you'll ever hear, but there are biblical truths within it that we build upon throughout the series, and I think it would be important for you to listen to as well, okay? But in last week's terms, if we confess, Christ will remove the darkness from us and replace it with light. Proverbs 28, 13. I love Proverbs. Book of wisdom, right? Lots of little pithy sayings that will add to your life if you can apply them to the way that you live life. 28.13, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. God's response to our confession is to faithfully and justly forgive. And that is why you can be confident in your faith, even when you struggle, even when you sin. God, in response to a genuine heart that confesses a grieved sin, will forgive. And that not only points to God's commitment to his people, but it also shows us the confidence, again, that we can have. Because our confession, and therefore our forgiveness, is backed by God's character like a car warranty that you know will actually work. 
If we confess, sin is forgiven. But here's the cool part. Not only is it forgiven, it's wiped from our record. It's wiped from our record. And when we have Christ, there is no record of our wrongs. Because if you remember from last week, God only sees us in the light of Christ. Everything is wiped clean. Everything is removed. But here's another important thing about confession. It shows our heart to Christ. It shows who we are to Christ. You see, a Christian who never asks his heavenly father for forgiveness of his sins cannot claim to be sensitive to the ways in which he has grieved the father. And if we cannot have empathy with the Father, if we cannot put ourselves in His shoes and see how our actions might have wronged Him, then we can't hope to experience forgiveness. And I don't know if you're noticing or not, but these are truths that we can apply to all of our relationships. Confession is extremely important for forgiveness with your husband, with your friends, with your children. When you've messed up, it's important to tell them that you've messed up. And not just, hey, I'm sorry, but exactly what it is that you're sorry for. And why you know that that has grieved them. It allows them to see and know and truly understand that you feel things from their perspective. I learned a great lesson about that from Jack Altermat one day on the way to work. It's a story for another time, but it's a good one. It's not just enough to say sorry. You need to express what it is that you're sorry for. That shows the genuineness of your apology. That shows the genuineness of your confession. Verse 10 of our passage. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So verse 10 can only be seen in light of verse nine. It's been said to us that we have to confess. Not doing so denies scripture. It also calls God a liar. I don't know about you, but that's one thing I don't want to do. I don't want to call God a liar. Like if God's real, if God exists, and I'm not posing that as like a question, it's more hypothetical because I believe it, right? But if that's true, I'm not calling him a liar. I call almost anybody else a liar. I won't call God a liar because like, I don't know if you've seen Bruce Almighty, but the smite me almighty smiter that always pops up in my head when I sin. I don't know what pops up in your head when you sin, but I'm expecting like a lightning bolt at any moment. And I'm like, wondering how much structure I can get under to maybe avoid this, maybe disperse some of the charge. That's how my brain works. We're going to just pretend I didn't say all that. We have to confess. Not confessing known sin states that you don't think you need forgiveness. I'm going to hear that again. Or I'm going to hear that again. I'm going to say it again, but I'm also going to hear it as I say it. Not confessing known sin, not confessing known wrong to your loved ones, states 
to the wrong party that you don't think you need forgiveness. When you say, man, I'm sorry. That's just you trying to get past whatever speed bump in the road that you hit. Confession shows people, yes, that you know how they feel, but it also shows them that you love them. It also shows them that you love them and that is powerful and that is extremely, extremely important. Denying sin doesn't make it go away, right? It doesn't make it okay. There's not some magical band-aid, but there is a process and confession is that process. I'm going to take you to 1 John. We're going to be read 2 uh, and 1 and 2. Okay, so the end of our passage where he says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So just in case anyone has any questions, the optimal position for the Christian is anti sin. John wants to make that very clear. I'm telling you that with confession, forgiveness is available. Okay. It can be had, but that doesn't mean that you just continue to sin. We see it other places in scripture. Friends, do I tell you this so that you may go on sinning? No, of course not. And that's one of the problems that the, the world has with Christianity, right? We, we sometimes simplify it so much that, oh, you just have to say sorry, and then everything's forgiven, and that's just how it works, right? But that's not how it works in the real world. And it is a simple process, but it's a little deeper than that, right? Confession isn't just saying sorry. It's being specific about what it is that we need to be sorry for. Just because forgiveness is available doesn't mean that we should or even can abuse it. Again, we talked last week about either walking in the light or walking in the darkness. It is a permanent state of being. You can choose to walk in the light and at times, like we said, still find shadows, right? Still sin. You can be a believer and not be perfect. That is absolutely true. But you can also claim to be a believer, have no relationship with God, live your entire life in the darkness, look to only serve yourself, not be concerned about your actions whatsoever, not think that they have any uh, repercussions for you in your life, and not be a Christian, right? Saying the words alone means nothing. It's all about our heart's condition. What do we truly believe? And what is our motivation behind our actions? We cannot abuse forgiveness because eventually our character, our actions, our truths, the way that we live our life, the way that we treat people, the relationship that we have with God will come to light. And we can say that we're forgiven, but it doesn't make it so. So, how do we find forgiveness? How do we make sure that our confession actually brings about the desired response, which is to be seen through Christ's light? 
which is to have our record of wrongs removed, which is to be forgiven of our sins. Here's how. Confession through forgiveness comes when it is accompanied by true remorse. Okay, forgiveness comes when our confession is accompanied by true remorse. In Christian circles, we refer to this as repentance. Repentance. So much deeper than a I'm sorry. Repentance is accompanied by a change of action. Repentance is accompanied by a remorseful heart, by humility, and by an honest effort. I think that this is so important. By an honest effort to go forward and sin no more. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow is an expression of your regret for hurting or harming someone else. Earthly sorrow is a regret for what your actions have done to you. That's a big difference. Godly sorrow says, I am sorry that I have hurt you. Earthly sorrow says, I'm sorry that this has happened because it's affecting me negatively in this way. And if we want forgiveness, and if we want our confession to be fruitful, then godly sorrow is what we need. I said this once already, but I'm going to say it again. True repentance is accompanied by an earnest effort to avoid sin. And so, no, we don't just go on sinning just because we know that forgiveness is available. And if and when we undoubtedly fail, Christ is working on our behalf. Atoning for our sins and for the sins of the world. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate in the fa- with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. Let's pray. God, as the band makes our way back up to the stage, Father, we just want to lay ourselves at your feet. God, I pray that each and every person here today sees the importance of confession. As we learned last week, there is no darkness in your light. There's nothing that we can hide from you. You already know of our sins. Sometimes we think that that means that it's enough not to express how we've wronged somebody, how we've wronged you. Well, they already know what I did wrong, so I'll just say sorry. But God, if we really want that forgiveness that we're after, not only in our relationship with you, but in our relationships with others, true repentance is what it's going to take. Confession 
that shows empathy, that shows understanding, and action that says, I'm going to move forward from this place and try to not sin against you in this way or frankly, any other way again. We're not perfect. We're so far from it. God, help us to see the world, the people in this world that don't know you as our future brothers and sisters in Christ and not those poor lost souls who need us to save them. Because at the end of the day, they don't need us. They need you. Just like we need you. And if we want them to see that need for you, then we need to be able to love them where they are, regardless of how they're living, regardless of what sins they might commit. God, we need to have empathy for them. We need to be able to see ourselves in their stories, knowing that we could easily switch roles. That why we have forgiveness is because we have experienced Christ and we have accepted His gift of grace. And why they are where they are at is because they either haven't experienced Christ or they haven't, for whatever reason, they just did not accept the grace that He was trying to bring to them. Father, if we want to love this world, we've got to see them like you do. And if we want to bring them to confession, then we need to know, God, that we also still have a need for confession. Becoming a Christian is not the end of the journey, it's just the start. Give us a heart for the world around us. One that loves before it judges. One that sees the importance in the entire world. Because you came not to just save us, but to save everyone. And lastly, God, I pray that you would give those out there struggling today with confidence that their confession meant something to you, with confidence that their confession took, so to speak, with the belief that maybe you wouldn't want to forgive them or that somehow they're too far gone. God, I would just pray that you remove that doubt and that you replace it with the confidence that comes with true confession. Forgiveness is there to be had for each and every single one of us. I ask these things for myself, and for each and every person in this room and for each and every person watching online. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Stand with us now. We're gonna finish this day's service by continuing to just pour out an offering of worship to God. If you need to pray with somebody today, I would love to pray with you. Allie's over here uh, to the left by the bar if you'd like to go pray with her. If you'd like to use the stage as an altar and just come up here and kneel and pray directly to God, you of course have that right as well. If you need salvation, if you sit here today and you can say, I know that I am not a Christian. Confession has not taken place in my life. It has carried no weight for me. Then talk to me about that today before you leave. Don't let another moment pass 
where you haven't at least considered the possibility of what it is that Christ wants to do for you. Otherwise, stand with us now. Let every distraction fade from your mind right now and just focus on God as we worship. Thank you.